I want to share with you, continue on the series I heard Pastor Elijah speak last week about uh, contagious and about being contagious. Now, whenever he first started, that was a a series that he was in, I'm thinking, okay, where is this going to go, contagious, in uh, in this day and time with everything going on with uh, COVID-19? But about being really contagious lives. And, you know, it's been interesting over the last 10 weeks uh, that we don't get to do church anymore. But you know what we've learned to do? We've learned how to be the church. I want to read to you this morning the Bible here from uh, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. And uh, this is, uh, you know, the book of Acts, and I know that's what the series Contagious is about, about how they just uh, lived out life of Christ, how they shared it. And, and next week is, is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, I'm hoping everybody online, quick lesson, if you don't know what Pentecost Sunday is, Pentecost Sunday is a celebration of the birth of the church. It was seven weeks after the resurrection of Christ, and he was with them in there those uh, 40 days after the resurrection, and then we have uh, this the 50th day whenever the church was all together and praying, and Pentecost Sunday, the, the Holy Spirit came, and they truly became the witnesses that he makes a promise about, and he, he talked to them all the way through the Gospels about what they were going to be. Not what they were going to do, what they were going to be. So we read to you this, beginning in Luke 1, uh, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 4. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he told them there, he said, wait. Uh, I don't know about you. I'm not good at waiting. Uh, most of you probably get that idea if you're around my daughter a lot. You see that uh, we kind of have a lot of the same personality. Uh, we, we like to make things happen. And this has been different, uh, tough for me in the last 10 weeks, uh, just waiting. And again, I, when this all started, it's like, how long can this be? And the funny thing was, uh, for Lent, a group of us had all decided uh, what we were going to give up. And I said, you know what? I'm going to give up sports talk radio. I often listen to it whenever I'm driving all around the city, uh, visiting different people. And, and so I, I love to uh, listen to it and uh, just hear what was going on. Naturally, it was an exciting time. We'd just come off winning the Super Bowl Kansas City had. And so that was all really exciting in there. And everybody's still talking about it. We're getting ready. KU basketball, we think we're going to make a run at a national championship. Then you have uh, the Royals are getting ready to start. There's spring training going on. And I said, I'm going to give that up, and I'm only going to listen to Christian radio as I'm driving around. That was my commitment. And so every week, we'd get together as a prayer group on uh, noon on Fridays, and we'd ask each other, how are you doing with that? And well, come about uh, the second, third week of March, all of a sudden they closed down the, the Big 12 tournament. They stopped the NBA. Uh, they canceled the NCAA tournament, everything. And I'm telling the guys, I said, how are you doing with yours? Not listening to sports radio. I said, Man, I'm doing so good. I decided now for the rest of the land, I'm just going to totally give up sports. And they were all like, wow, that's incredible because they know how much I love sports. They said, that's really fantastic. And then one of the older guys said, wait a minute, haven't they already canceled all the sports? I said, well, yeah, that made an easier decision, but that was my decision anyway. It was for that. But it's just, it's been a crazy time when I look back over the last 10 weeks and, and all that's happened, all that I've done. And you get that idea whenever he says here, just wait. 
as I said, I don't like waiting. I don't know about you. You know, my wife is an introvert. She was made for times like this. She loves just to stay home. I've always been all my life, if I'm home for a half hour, I'm going crazy. I've got to go make something happen. I've got to go do something. And so it's, it's just been strange in this time waiting. But he told them, he said, wait. Now, the interesting part about this waiting is that they, uh, we know that out of records that at least 500 people at one time saw him after his resurrection. It wasn't just on Resurrection Sunday, but they saw him after his resurrection. And yet, we'll find that on the day of Pentecost, which I believe Pastor Elijah will probably be covering next week uh, in there, when the Holy Spirit came, that, that birth of the church uh, at, at 9 o'clock, that third hour there on that, uh, that Sunday morning, whenever the birth of the church happened, there was 120 people praying in the upper room. Now, the interesting part to me is there was at least 500 saw, and he gives this command to, he tells them all to wait for the promise that was from the Father. I've been sharing with you about it. I've been talking about the one who's going to come, the Holy Spirit, that you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to bear much fruit. He's going to convict you of sin. He's going to convict you of what it is to live righteous lives. You're going to have this. It's going to be better for you, he said, that I'm gone. They couldn't imagine that. <laughs> I can't imagine if I'd have been back there in that time. But I often wonder which side I would have been. Because if over 500 saw him, and there's 120 on the day of Pentecost, I'm always thinking, what happened to the other 380? Only 25% showed up. You know, it's always interesting every year. Uh, look at church uh, numbers and all that. Uh, that's really about what you have for a regular attendance on a Sunday across the United States. Uh, you know, I don't know, you know who all measures that or exactly what numbers, or that's just checking with a few churches, a few cities. I don't know how they get it, but they talk about that. But it's interesting. 25% of the people are there all those 10 days waiting and praying. I don't know if others had to go get busy. I don't know if they were essential workers and they had to go do something. I don't know what it was. There may have been good reason. But on that day, when the Holy Spirit came, the gift from the Father that was going to change their lives, was going to totally change the world. But he said, you got to wait. Wait. Now, this is interesting. Uh, I've learned a lot about waiting. As I said, I'm not good at it. I don't pray for patience, okay? People say that, you need to pray for patience. I pray for people to get out of my way or, or people to keep moving so I can go on. Uh, I've never been good at that, the waiting part of it. Uh, I was talking with uh, Ana here one time and uh, we were talking about, uh, she said, when I'm 20, how old are you gonna be, Pops? I said, well, figure it out. Seven now, that's 13 more years, I'm 63. How old will that make me? And she's kind of figuring through it, done the math. She starts with seven, down 70, and then she goes 76. And then her next line was, she looks at me and she says, wow, Pops, you're going to be in a wheelchair like when I get married because you're really old. So I've already just accepted I've, I've aged. I'm old. Hopefully along with that, it's come a little bit of wisdom. And one thing I've learned is that we can trust God through the times that he tells us to wait. I may not like it. But one thing I've learned is I don't want to waste that waiting. I want to learn something during that time. And this has been a great time for reading, uh, studying, uh, just uh, calling people, staying in touch. I mean, you had to slow down. I mean, I've got a lot of projects done around the house here. You know, if I was really like uh, Pastor Elijah, I would uh, take the camera and go walking around and show you. You know, I've got my uh, uh, gazebo that I straightened up, raised it up 18 inches back, and just supposed it all rotted and sunk. And I've repainted the swimming pool, and, and I've repainted the patio, and, and I've cleaned out closets and rebuilt them. Uh, just because going crazy, you've got to be doing something. 
But you know, he said, just wait. And with wisdom, I've learned, you know, when I study the Bible and I look all the way through, I realize God is always teaching us to wait and to trust him with the timing. See, I really believe I'm really good at looking way out there and seeing the next mountain, seeing God's will, what God wants to do. I'm terrible with God's timing. I mean, because I want to get there now. When I used to go skiing out to Colorado, about Lyman out there, probably still a good, I don't know, 120, 150 miles out, I can start to see the mountains. And I'm ready to be there. The problem is I've still got a long journey that I've got to go on. There's still a lot of driving that's got to happen, a lot of things before I get to the mountain to ski. And I'm not so way of living life. And some of you probably are identifying with me and thinking, yeah, let's get back. We got to get this life opened up. We got to get started again like that. I want to get back to normal. I don't even know if we know what normal is. Hopefully we've learned some good things to uh, kind of keep out of this time. And I've learned that uh, I love the time. My wife and I, Sherry and I, we have spent more time together eating together than we believe we have in our first 35 years of marriage, just in these last <laughs> 10 weeks. Because typically we didn't do that very often. And quite often we were busy with my life, pastoring the church, busy with the kids. Uh, it was just fast paced. But he says, wait. And I started thinking about this whenever he says, wait. How many people in, in, in the Bible had to wait? Noah, building an ark. You imagine that? The years it took to build an ark. And you've never seen it rain. Abraham, waiting for that promised son. And he didn't do a good job of waiting. And that's the reason you had the struggles going on between Isaac and Ishmael and, and all the problems that happened out of that. And, and you know, uh, Joseph. You know, had this dream of who, what he was going to be and what, how God was going to use him. And that his brothers, even though he was next to the youngest, were going to bow down to him one day. And all it did was make them mad to where, remember, they, they threw him into this uh, pit and they were going to kill him. But they said, no, uh, let's sell him. You know, somehow that was better to sell him to a slave traders going down to Egypt, not knowing what happened. But the time frame is about 20-some years out of there from when they sell him to the pit going to Potiphar's house, going into prison, then eventually end up in the palace, really second in command to the dream God had. See, what is it that God has promised to you? That's the real truth is, God speaks promises into our lives, speaks dreams to us, and many times we just, we have a hard time waiting. It's like, especially in our instant society today, God has spoken it, man, I want it right now. You go on from uh, Joseph and you think about what it was for uh, the uh, children of Israel, almost 400 years there in Egypt before they come back as a great nation before God delivers them through Moses. And you think about then they weren't willing to go into the promised land. They couldn't believe that God could really, after he'd done everything else with the Egyptians, that he would overcome the giants that were in the land. Remember the spies? Two brought back a good report, Caleb and Joshua. Ten <laughs> brought back a negative report. <laughs> kind of sounds like today. All it takes is a little negativity to put everybody in a great state of fear and all like that. Nobody wants to be uh, optimistic or step out or even trust God. And then these, these two said, yeah, we can do it. Because everybody believed the report of the 10. Then he said, nobody will enter into the promised land is here. They all had to die. 40 years, a whole new generation had to be raised up who was going to go into the promised land. You go on there for that. Uh, I can tell you just story after story. There's Hannah who was weeping for a son. She wanted a son. God wanted to give her a leader for the nation of Israel, a true leader of the prophet Samuel. David, he was anointed to be king about age 17. 
We see him go out and fight Goliath. We see all that. But we don't realize before he became king, all he went through, the hiding in the caves, the running from Saul, everything, it was almost 22 years before he ever became king. A Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, whenever God talked about what was the judgment that was going to come on the uh, nation of Israel, and what was going to happen there, Israel to Judah, 70 years. Even in the midst of that, he tells Jeremiah to go out and buy this field, knowing that Jeremiah will never get to use it. He'll never be the one to come back to captivity. It's going to be in the hands of the enemy. See, God speaks promises to us, and it's just hard for us to wait. Because, again, we have problems with God's timing. I mean, you could go on about Nehemiah coming back and the, the rebuilding of the wall and yet the dreams that he had and for what it would be and what it took over a long time. Malachi, whenever he speaks about the one who was going to come, the promise of the, the Messiah, and almost 400 years of silence after that. I mean, it just continues on and on, the waiting. And the problem is, in the midst of the waiting, what often happens is we start into the worrying. Worrying. You know, in the midst of this, what do they say? He's just speaking to them about waiting there. And they said, is it at this time you're going to restore the nation of Israel? That's all they, about. Well, kick the Romans out. Man, restore uh, us once again to our might, to our power. And what's going to happen? See, when we get to worrying, it's, it's amazing. I want to read to you from, uh, from Matthew chapter 6 today, what Jesus has to say about worrying. Elijah was preaching about the red letter uh, series and about what Jesus had to say in the red letters. Here I want to start in verse 25 of Acts 6. Read along with me. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, Jesus says here in, uh, in Matthew 6, he says, God created you. He knows how valuable you are. God knows what you need. God loves you. And at the end, he says, seek first his kingdom. God desires to bless you. And that's the one hope that we have in the midst of all these times. And there's a lot of questions. You know, it's been interesting. Uh, for a while in there, one of the most searched things out on Google as far as in the, with Christian terms was about the end times and about revelation. I've had people who have called me and asked about that. I even had my mother-in-law recently who said, I was reading in Revelation. And I'm thinking, you know, everybody's going to that almost like that. You know, nothing has changed. COVID-19 did not catch God off guard. He knows what's going on. He wants to speak hope and promise into our lives. Same thing. Don't worry. God's going to take care of you. Or are there things to be concerned about? And I often joke that I don't worry because that's, that's wrong. I just wonder. And I kind of wonder what God's going to do. And, you know, there's so many exciting things I've heard about. I've listened to a lot of pastors. I do a lot of coaching pastors and leaders. And hearing people who have tuned in 
to the online service and their small, even small communities out across Kansas, cities here, Kansas City, who would have never tuned in before, but have tuned in and they've built relationships. People have made decisions to ask Christ to be Lord of their lives. And who would have ever dreamed it? There's people who are now doing online and they're talking about, you know, well, I can't wait till I get back to church and I can do it normal. I'm thinking do both. Do church service, yeah, but do it online. Uh, you know, as I always say, uh, and I'm not much of a fisherman, although I go on an annual trip with some of the guys there are different things just to hang out with them. But the more poles you have in the water, <laughs> the more chance you have to catch fish. And so whatever way it is, man, uh, to be that witness. But don't worry. God has not called us. He's not given us a spirit of fear. But love, the peace, that power, that sound mind is what God is speaking into our lives. So that's where we get at is worrying. But if we'll learn to keep doing what God's will is, that will stop us from the worrying. And so that's the last one thing that I want to uh, say there today is just to be willing. Willing what God has called you to do. Let me uh, refer back because we're talking here, kind of that in-between time. Pentecost Sunday's coming up next before the resurrection. Kind of between acts of what they did, what they really became and with the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost. And going back to the Resurrection Sunday, which we celebrated, boy, sometimes it seems like a long time ago, and it was strange not to celebrate with all the things that go along with that and everybody to be in church. Matter of fact, uh, the two biggest attended days, they say right now, it isn't uh, Christmas and Easter, it's Easter and Mother's Day. And we've missed both of those for being online. But whenever we look at that, right before his crucifixion, that night he was out praying in the garden. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 42, he says there to the Father. He says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, what he was about to do. And it wasn't just the death that he was going to face. It was a separation from God. Remember whenever he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's what had to go along with that death because that's where, what death is. For those who don't know the Lord is their Savior, it's, it's eternal separation. He knew he had faith that. He said, take this cup from me. And then he says this phrase that all of us need to learn. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. See, are we willing to do the work of the Father? He says, this is what I want you to do. He says, when the Holy Spirit's come, you will be my witnesses. He says, first of all, in Jerusalem. I've always told people, Jerusalem, that's our family. That's our friends. That's the people we, we know well and we're close to. You know, hopefully you're doing a good job of being the witness to them. Secondly, Judea. That's kind of our neighborhood. You know, I, I really understood that a little bit the few times I've been in Philly. It's just how each section often, I mean, that's their neighborhood. You know, here we're divided by a lot of things because we're divided by a state line here between Kansas, Missouri, and by county lines, and, and sometimes a lot of other things that are, are barriers, rivers, and different things that, that kind of do a lot of separation. But who's your neighborhood? Who's your community? I mean, or even your city. You know, that's who Judea is. Those are people you're around, you're like. I mean, you, you, if we ever get to do, uh, get back to it soon, you, you cheer together with, whether it's us for the Royals or you all for the Phillies or us for the Chiefs and you for the Eagles or in whatever way it would be, you know, when those crowds get together, we all come together. We're a city united. You know, I remember celebrating and being so excited and Zion was whenever the Eagles won the Super Bowl and then uh, was really excited last year here, two years later, whenever the, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl after uh, 50 years since we'd been in it uh, the last time. And goes with that. That's that's who your Judea is. It's kind of your your community and somebody a city. Uh, you're already they're like you. 
And he was saying that about the region around there. He says, Samaria, let's just be honest. Samaria is the people or places you don't like or you don't want to go. You know, we have those places around here, around here, and, and yet God loves them just as much as he loves you. Sometimes we can especially get caught up whenever we all get together in our church and we just think this is such a wonderful thing and forget that, you know what, God loves the person who's walking down the street on a Sunday morning instead of being in church or who's sleeping in because of what happened the night before. He loves them every bit as much as he loves me. I don't know who your Samaria is, but look around you. God's calling you. Remember whenever they did that, the woman at the well, he says he needed to go through Samaria. Everybody else took a roundabout way. Nobody went through Samaria. He needed to go. There's going to be people God's going to put in your path. Don't walk around them. That's kind of strange now. It's funny because we've been out walking a lot, Sherry and I have, and whenever you come and meet people, it's like you automatically social distance. You know, one steps out in the road, the other stay on the sidewalk, or we do something, or wait till we get to driveways and go there. You know, whereas before, you know, it was just, it's just different, okay? And I know someday it may return to normal. Maybe it won't ever, but uh, for somebody who always greeted everybody with a handshake or different things, it's, it's just different now. And so it's, it's kind of that separation. But they were the people you avoided. Man, look at who God's put in your path. I want you to say. And it says, to the ends of the earth. Where's it going to be at? The ends of the earth. See, I don't know where God might be calling you to, sharing with. You know, I was having a conversation with Zion one time, and there was a, a map in my office. It's about, uh, has this big map of the world. And, and I was telling him, I says, yeah, that's the world. I says, you know, that's the way people knew it. It was flat then. And he says, it wasn't flat. I said, yeah, it was flat, and then it became round. He says, Pops, the world's always been round. <laughs> people just thought it was flat. I thought, I know. Joking. But you know, and he said to the ends of the earth, think about it, around the world, the world is continuing to turn, continuing to grow. There's new places, cities. I love what's going on. Uh, a part of a group that's involved in the midst of Bible translations and, and trying to reach out to uh, uh, see that that gets done and that that seed is sown. Everybody would have the Bible in their own language or at least be able, if they're oral learners, that so they can hear the story in some way. In this day and time of technology, it's incredible what can happen. And, you know, I know often you all have different missionaries that you believe in, you support, or different things. It's incredible what's going on around the world. He said, it's going to be. I mean, I, I looked through Acts, and this is what I found there. They went to 32 countries, day and time, 54 major cities, nine Mediterranean islands. That was their world and what they knew at that time. Now, we would know more now of just how many countries there are all around the world. And you know what? God loves every person in every country. Sometimes it's easier for us to think about the gospel in terms of the United States. People say with all this going on, what's this mean for the United States? Or, you know, uh, our place in the world or different things. You know, let's understand scripture and realize God loves everybody. You know, even the nation of Israel was saying, well, when you, are you gonna, is this when you're gonna restore the nation of Israel? You know, what God wants to do is restore hope in every person's life. So what I guess to summarize quickly is saying in here, I don't know how much more waiting you've got to do. I kind of follow because thinking about the kids of how long, and sometimes I hear dates out there for you all. seems like you're two, three, four weeks behind us and maybe towards the middle, end of June. I, I don't know. You know, I just see things that are said, and, and you wonder, man, how long can it be or uh, what are going to be the steps? It's going to be hopefully we're coming up there later on in the year. 
uh, we're going to come in the summer. We don't know. Nobody knows. But in the midst of your waiting, don't waste it. Hear what God's saying to you, what God has promised. And you know, God's probably spoken promises to some of you that you're wondering if it's ever going to happen. You know, I know there's a lot of the young ones up there I've met, and I hear about the things they want to do in their careers and what God has called them to, and some of you have so much talent and hope. I would trade anything. As I said, I'm admitting I'm an old man. I'm 63. I've had a great life. God is blessed. I've had great opportunities to do things. I would trade every blessing I've enjoyed from God, everything good that's said about Phil Kreiling, to be your age and do it all over one more time. The one thing I'd learn probably better is to... Uh, be a little bit more patient, and in the midst of what I'm going through to say, okay, God, what do you want to teach me? What do you want me to learn? What do we need to learn during this time? Let's wait on God's promise. And I want to encourage you. See, because next week they receive the promise, and then they go out to fulfill the promise. They go out to be the church. That's what God's calling you to be. He wants you to be the church. See, I don't know who you can make contact this week, whether it's you're going to FaceTime them, whether it's you're going to get together on Zoom. Uh, I love Zoom. I've used Zoom for years. Some days I'm about Zoomed out by the time I get through a lot of different Zoom things, different things. But just pick up the phone and call somebody or, or you know, a text or just encourage them. If God brings somebody to your mind, that's the Holy Spirit. Man, encourage them. Build them up, you know, between the church. Yeah, maybe you can't get together right now. There's going to be a day and time that you all can again. But, man, encourage one another. Build up one another. See, that's what it is. God doesn't want you to do church. He's not looking for, okay, man, I can't wait till they get back to the punchline. They can do church. God wants you to be the church. Every person you're going to meet, you're going to go. And I just want to pray for you about that today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you because I know you love me. Lord, sometimes the last 10 weeks has seemed like a long time, especially for someone who's an extrovert with extrovert tendencies. It's been, uh, it's been different strange. Yeah, Lord, I thank you in the midst of that of things I've learned and, and friends I've made and, and even services I've got to view and, and pastors who I've coached that now I get to watch their service or to, to see what's going on and, and encourage them and build them up. Boy, there's all kinds of opportunities in there. What I just ask that you would bless is each person who's listening to this, you know what's going on in their lives and you know what promises that they've heard you speak into their lives of what you want them to be and how you want them to use their gifts and their talents, who you want them to share with. Lord, I truly believe that we can plan all we want of what we're going to do, but it's you who orders our steps. For the steps of a righteous man truly are ordered by the Lord. So I just ask you to do that. Help them every day just to trust in you, to listen to you, to learn from you, to look at who they can encourage, to find new ways to encourage others. You know, there's so many delivery dinners. Maybe we order a dinner for somebody else and we just deliver it to them, or, or maybe we pick up the phone and, and we call, or... or Lord, I don't know what kind of creativity there may be in, in this day and time of, of what could be done just to build up and encourage somebody or to remind them how much you love them. See, you sent your son to die on a cross for our, my sin, for our sin, so that you could show us the full extent of how much you loved us. Lord, help us to show how much you love each person out there, whether they're in our Jerusalem, our Judea, Samaria, or maybe even one day you call even to the very ends of the earth. Lord, wherever you would call us, help us be found faithful. Just bless each one, keep them encouraged, strength. Lord, I know there's a lot who are uh, battling still through with this virus. I just ask that you would give healing in there, give hope. 
remind them. Lord, I thank you on this weekend. I thank you for what our, our it means Memorial Day weekend service personnel who have sacrificed and given so much so that we could have the freedoms that we have. And Lord, those who are serving right now in our hospitals, our medical field, frontline, firefighters, police officers, Lord, essential workers who are taking care of things, I thank you for them. I ask that you would watch over, bless each one of them. Lord, we trust our lives in your hands. It's in your name I pray, amen. At Change Church, we believe in doing life together. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at thisischange.org or any social media platform at thisischangephl. Thanks for joining us and have an amazing week.